Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode here at uh, the studio of Everyday Truths in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We are in Jeremiah chapter 33, and we're talking really about perspective, because God wants to give us his perspective, especially in the murkiness and the confusions of our trials and the things that God allows in our lives, sometimes the things that God has to bring about because of our own disobedience. And it's important that in times of confusion and despair that we call unto the Lord and we rely upon the perspective and the wisdom that God gives, things that we could not understand. Why? His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. The only way for us to know what God thinks is for us to ask him and for him graciously to tell us. And the promise that God gives us is that if we lack wisdom, he will give us wisdom if we ask for for it. We must come by faith and ask God to give us the perspective that, that we could not otherwise have. And that's Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no one knows the, the mind of God but the Spirit of God. But then the Spirit of God will richly tell us those things that, that, that are of God if we will ask Him. And so we have access to the very mind of, uh, of God through His Word. And God says in His Word here in Jeremiah chapter 33 that I have plans. And I know that you're seeing destruction right now and you're seeing desperation right now and you're seeing streets that are barren and quiet because of the invasion and the desolation of that invasion. But God says, but let me show you what I say. Let me show you the future. Let me show you my promise, a time of joy and restoration and blessing And you can count on it because I want to show you those things that I can see based upon my eternal view. We're in verse number 12 of Jeremiah chapter 33, where God continues in this vein and says, thus saith the Lord of hosts again in this place, which is desolate without man, without beast, And in all the cities thereof, so not just Jerusalem, but all the surrounding areas that belong to God's people, shall be an habitation of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down. I know what you see, said God. You see desolation. You see no hope. But let me tell you what I see. I see the future. And I see a place of inhabitation. I see a place of peace. I see a place of blessing. I see the shepherds and the sheep and the fields. I see a restored people. Verse number 13, in the cities of the mountains, in the city of the vale, the valley, in the cities of the south, 
and the land of Benjamin and the places about Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, shall the flocks pass again under the hands of him that telleth them, saith the Lord. So passing under the hand or passing under the rod, sometimes is the way that is said, is a an expression used about a shepherd who is counting his, counting his sheep as they enter back into the fold. So they pass under the rod or under the hand. So the shepherd inspects his sheep and counts his sheep as they enter back into the fold at night. So what's, what's the Lord saying? The Lord is saying, you know, I see the time of regathering where I know my sheep by name and I inspect them and I help them and I guard them and I feed them and I know them and I count them. That's what I see. God says, I take care of my sheep and I bring them back. I love the illustration in Luke chapter 15 where the Bible talks about leaving the 99 and going out and chasing that one lost sheep. And that's the heart of God as the ultimate shepherd of his people. Verse number 14, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing that I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Don't think that the promises of God are just have a shelf life. Well, you know, God made some promises uh, to his people about restoration. And God said he was coming again. But where is that promise? I mean, that's what the scoffers ask, according to 2 Peter chapter 3. You know, God's not late. He's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. The day of the Lord shall come, the Bible says. God's promises will always take place. Your timetable is not his. In those days and at that time, I love that. Here, verse number 15. In those days at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness, capital B, the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. So the branch of righteousness, who is that? That's Jesus, the, the, the root of David, the, the, the branch of David, the offshoot of David. Not seer uh, is the word. That's a reference to the Messiah, the, 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 the Nazarene. Uh, the one that will come from Nazareth, the one that will be the ultimate seed of David, the one that will sit upon the throne of David, the one that will rule and reign, the one in whom all the promises of God will be fulfilled. So what is ultimate restoration? What is the ultimate culmination of God's promise? The restored reign of the Davidic kingdom in and through uh, the son of David, the branch of righteousness, Jesus himself. And isn't it, is it not interesting that God calls the Messiah the branch of righteousness? Why? Because the very characteristic of Jesus is righteousness. He was, the, he was the righteousness that you and I could not be. And it's only in his righteousness that we have hope. So when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are gifted and imputed to us the very righteousness of God in Jesus. 
He did what we could not do. He fulfilled the law that we could not fulfill. He paid the price that we could not pay so that we could have the righteousness that we could not earn. The branch of righteousness. Look at verse number uh, 16. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. This is the millennial rest. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called. Jerusalem as a metonymy for God's people. And that would include you and me. This is the name that she should be called the Lord, our righteousness. There it is. The Lord, our righteousness. That's what Paul said in Philippians 3. He said, it's not my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. That's Galatians chapter 2. That's Philippians chapter 3. That's Romans chapter 4. That's what Paul said to the Corinthians, that Christ, he is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and power. It's not my righteousness, but it's the righteousness I have in Jesus Christ, the Lord, my righteous one. The Lord is my righteousness. Verse number 17, for thus saith the Lord, uh, David shall never want never lack a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Well, Jesus is going to bring the perpetual line of David, a permanence to his throne. Neither shall the priests of the Levites want a man or lack a man before me to offer burnt offerings, to kindle meat offerings, to do sacrifice continually. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah saying, thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night and that there should be not day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant. This is talking about the great Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel chapter 7, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. What is God saying? God is saying, my promise that a son of David shall sit upon the throne of David that the branch of righteousness, the very Messiah, will rule and reign forever. That promise is as good as the sun coming up. That promise is as good as the sun going down. So what, what does that mean practically? That means every single day you can know, every new day that the sun came up, every, uh, every evening when the sun goes down, you can be reminded that God's promises are true. And God won't ever forsake his promise. I mean, he'd just as soon forsake the sun coming up and the sun going down than to forsake his promise. God's promises are as good as every new day that God gives. That's a great, uh, that, that's a great help, isn't it? Isn't that a great encouragement to know that all the promises of God are as good as the promise of every new day? Perhaps that's why the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The faithful God that keeps the universe in place, the faithful God that brings every new day is the faithful God that will bring that permanent day, the day of blessing when Jesus Christ will rule and reign. Look at verse number 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. God says, look at the stars. You can't count them. 
Look at the sand, the grains of sand. You can't count them. And you won't be able to count the number of people in my kingdom whom I will bring in and bless. The people that come to me by faith, that that will be an innumerable. This is a reiterate reiteration of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, the promises that God has made to David, to Abraham, they're all true. And God keeps those promises. Verse number 23, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Considerest thou not what this people have spoken? Jeremiah, I know what people are saying. I know how the people are speaking against the things I say. Here's what they're saying. The two families which the Lord hath chosen, he hath even cast them off. Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before me. God says, I know what they're saying. They're asking questions like, well, God's cast off his two families, the northern kingdom, Israel. He got rid of them in 722 BC, and now he's getting rid of his southern kingdom, Judah, in 586 BC. God's just done with all his people, both families, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. And God said, that's not true at all. No, there are, these are times of chastisement. A times of punishment in that sense. But I am God and my promise to Abraham, my promise to David is my promise to you that I will bring ultimate restoration. Verse number 25, thus saith the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, okay, you know, if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, if the, if the universe just gets destroyed, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. My promises are just as sure as the sun coming up. You can bank on it said God. What a tremendous encouragement this must have been to Jeremiah in prison on that dark day to know that the promises I made to Abraham, the promises I made to David, hey, Jeremiah, those are the promises I made to you. And I'll say this, listener, the promises that God made to Abraham, the God, promises that God made to David and to Jeremiah, Hey, those are the promises that God made to you. The sun came up this morning and God's promises are still true. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.